We are going to team teach Lincoln Brewster, Andrew McCourt, and yours truly this one. You are in for a treat. We are awesome together. Can I just say that? God help us all. Yeah, the, uh, the sermons us. on humility, and we're really good at it. So it's good to everyone. carry Kurt. It's good to carry Kurt, isn't it? We're generous. That's the thing. Hey, by the way, before we get going, everyone say hi to everyone I'm watching on Facebook Live. Hi, Mom. Hi, uncles, aunts. Oh, no, you guys did poorly at that. Come on, give it up for Facebook Live. And everyone in the video cafe, we love you too. Um, hey, um, I just gotta, I gotta tell you, this is a really special weekend. We're doing this uh, sermon together because it's a, I don't know if you know this, but it's a big, big deal this weekend. This is something that's been going on for years is going to end this weekend and we're gonna talk about it. You know what it is? We have finally reached the end of the Game of Thrones TV series. It's the end. <laughs> No, no, don't. I'm not condemning you for what you watch or don't watch. What, what is that? Yeah, it's, it, well, and if you've read the books, we don't want to hear about it. But here's what I want to say. I, I, this is a real deal. I'm driving my car this week and on the radio, a guy comes out, he's totally serious. He's like, the Game of Thrones is ending and th free therapy is being offered for the, dis I mean, look at this. Therapy available for Games of Thrones super fans. That's a real news story, people. People are going into depression over which person wins the throne. Hey, if that's you, I love you, and I'm glad you're here. I got a little message, pastor to person. Get a life. Elizabeth, let me not just pick on Game of Thrones people. There's some of you are addicted to Avengers, and now your life is over that we've reached the, f there are 20 million Avenger movies, 20 million. Why are we looking at our screen so much? I'll tell you why. Because instead of living life, we're living life through someone else. Here's the thing about Bayside. We want to be the leaders in saying, let's put down the distractions, put down the screens every once in a while, and let's go out and be the heroes God has called us to be. There's no one in blue pajamas going to save this earth. There are no aliens attacking us from afar. We have got to be the people that find our destiny and do something great in this world. Amen? See, the real, that was good. That was good. The real anniversary is not having anything to do with a TV show or a movie. You know what this weekend really is? It's the one-year anniversary of our motion campaign. If you don't know what that is, how many know what motion is? You know, okay, good. Bunch of you. What we said, we're going to take three years and try to change the world by giving at a level and loving at a level and serving at a level that we've never done before. And so we're here today to teach a passage about how that level of loving, leading, and giving really does put hope into your life. We're going to actually go through a report on this, but we're going to go verse by verse in this passage in Exodus. Why Exodus? Because these people transform from slaves to filled with hope. Yeah. God took this group and he actually took them from captivity to real freedom. And we're going to look at our lives, compare it to their lives, and give you some information about the campaign that hopefully at the end of it, you'll leave here and hope will be rising in your life. So, Exodus, that's where we're starting. Andrew McCourt. Take us there. So good. So grab your sermon outlines, everybody. And our reading today is from Exodus chapter 36. And this is a moment that every single pastor in the United States of America dreams of because it was a moment of incredible, spontaneous generosity from the people of God. God at this point in the Old Testament, he was in the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, all of that stuff, Indiana Jones? The he greatest the theological movie ever made. There you go, right there. It was real. <laughs> 
Um, and, and so what they did was God was in this box and he said, I wanted to have, I want to have me a tent as well. It's called a tabernacle or a sanctuary. And I could just like click my fingers and make it happen. But what I want to do is test you and see that you're no longer slaves, but that you're free people. And listen to this. Part of true freedom in our lives is when we come into generosity. Not when we come into money, but when we come into generosity. And God said, I want you to raise an offering, and this is what happened. Look at this, Exodus 36, verse 4. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary of the tabernacle left what they were doing. They had to down tools. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing, like look at this, they are bringing more than what? bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. But basically what they're saying, we can't work because there's too much stuff around us. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. Could you imagine that if Bayside sent out a text or an email Stop giving. We've got far too much. Text the word stop to 56316. <laughs> it's an inside joke, but it's really funny. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good for Lincoln at this time of the morning to be so funny. It really is. So, uh, um, I mean, seriously, wouldn't this just be incredible? And, and look at the response. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Could you imagine in our service if we had to say, ushers, will you just stop the people from giving? We don't want you to give any more because we're still counting last week's offering. You give far too much and it's taken us too long. Put away your visa card. I see you in row number five. Stop writing checks over here. Security, there's a guy in row seven. Take him out, he's too generous. Could you imagine that? That's what was happening here. And so the people were restrained from bringing, uh, bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all of the work. Write this in as point number one. Hope celebrates enough. Mm. I, I just realized, I realized this in life. When I get a true revelation of the goodness of God and everything that he has given me, I get to celebrate every single thing in life. That's right. James even says this, that we consider our trials with pure joy. Why? Because we realize even in our trials, God is doing something in our life. Look at me, everyone. God is a good God and he's good every single day. And the goodness of God is not just about circumstances. Do I feel happy? God has given us joy and he says this to us, no matter what you're going through, I'm a good God, I'm committed to you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I love you. You're the apple of my eye, and I get to celebrate every single thing in life. Amen? That's what I get to celebrate. And, and this is a fact that I woke up this morning. Did you wake up this morning? Well, no, glory no. to God. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll get coffees. Yeah, I'll get it. You'll get coffees. But listen, everyone, just by the very fact that we woke this morning, that should be a cause for praise and for celebration. Amen. That we still That's have a right. pulse. And if we've got a pulse, we've got a purpose. Amen? I mean, I got out of bed, and I've got this thing called a bedroom. That is not a right, everyone. That's a privilege to have a bedroom. And my bedroom is so cool, it's got this little box in it and it's called a thermostat. So if I want it a little bit cooler, I can bring it down. If I want it hotter, I can bring it up. Think about it, people. We live in the lap of luxury. I went downstairs this morning. I've got like this box, it's called a fridge. That's awesome. 
Every time I open that fridge, I should be like, thank you, Jesus, that I have a choice of Glory. food inside of there. Look at me, everyone. Every day is a blessing. We gotta learn to celebrate 100%. I am alive. I've got a purpose. Um, yes, it's good, people. It really is. And we've a lot to celebrate right here. Yeah, we do. Uh, just recently, uh, as I'm sure you guys know, the Th uh, Thrive Worship had their very first album release. It's pretty exciting, everybody. And uh, well, I think we, we have a, hey. hey. Kayla Crow. And it's Kayla. I call her Kayla Crow, even though it's Kayla Johnston. Because I, I remember her as little Kayla Crow. <laughs> this is uh, the daughter of Jason Crow. And I don't know if you remember this in our C3 campaign at the halftime thing we did. Jason came out with his sign and said, my marriage was saved, my life was saved, my family was saved. And then you and, uh, and your brothers and sisters Cameron. came out and uh, had the little sign. Yeah, we, we love our dad. That was her little thing. So I've watched her. Anyway, it's good to see you. Everyone, let's hear it for Kayla. How about her singing? She's over at Blue Oaks now, but this is one of the cool things. I've watched her grow up here at this church and then uh, has now being a part of Thrive Worship. This album coming out. This album uh, gets released and goes to number one on Billboard. Everybody check this out. We did not make this. That's an actual, that was actually on, uh, on their website. And uh, it was number one, Thrive Worship. Number two was Lauren Daigle. Come on, look up, child. She's looking up at Thrive Worship. <laughs> that's funny. I don't care if you allow. That's funny. <laughs> Number three, Hillsong United. This is really cool. I just, what a neat thing not to that watch we're, what Not God that we're competitive. Doing. Not that we're competitive. But yeah! That's right! And, and in fact, by the way, whoever, uh, if you pre-ordered these, they're here today. You can go pick them up out, out in the lobby. Who wants this one, by the way? Is anybody? Right here. You were quick on the draw. That's very good. There's the Thrive Worship album, everybody. But isn't God good? That's so cool. Amen. Yeah. A lot to celebrate. So, so good. Uh, how many people want to know God's will for their life? You want to mm. know God's will for your life? This is how good we are as a teaching team. We can teach all of you God's will for your life, and it simply is here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 18. Look at it, everybody. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all Amen. circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We get to celebrate. Uh, I, well, sorry, sorry, forgive me. Hope celebrates enough. And how many percent is it? 100%. 100%. Point number two, Lincoln. So point number two uh, is you can write this in. Hope trusts Enough. Hope, trust, enough. Now, this is an interesting thing that I get to talk on this particular point, and uh, you'll notice it says 10%. Yes, you guessed it. I'm going to talk about tithing. And uh, this is always interesting because I talk a lot about worship, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, worship was responsible for the first church split in the Bible. That happened in heaven when Satan left and took a bunch of the angels, and of course, it was the music guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he was adorned with uh, stones and crystals and gems, and but he was a jerk. <laughs> and then he takes a bunch of the church with him when he leaves. I would never do that, but I, I like that the music guy gets the bad rap uh, in Genesis. And then, uh, and then I'm talking about giving today, and in Genesis four, uh, the first murder in the Bible had to do with giving. Yeah. Mm. What a great topic I get to talk about. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good. You're the man. Who needs enemies with friends like these guys? So listen, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I, I'm thrilled to be talking about tithing and giving because here's the reality for me is tithing changed my life. 
Generosity changed my life. I don't believe I would be standing here today had it not been for God using this in my life. And uh, I tell you what, some of you know this, um, when I was, uh, that I toured with Steve Perry back in the day. When I went out on that tour, I remember the one thing that God spoke to me as a young Christian was that he wanted me to bring my checkbook on the road with me. I still remember what the checks looks like. I had these yellow checks. And every week I would write my tithe check out from my hotel room and put it in an envelope and send it home to my church. And I believe that it kept my faith anchored and it kept uh, me anchored to my church and to my community back home. And I tell you what, I went through an entire mainstream tour all around the world, just unscathed. I was newly married, isn't that cool? And that's not yay me, that's yay God. Because I'm saying, God, I wanna trust you in this area of my life. And listen, here's the reality with tithing. This is one of the most, it might be the most tangible way that we can show that we actually believe what we say we believe. One of the biggest reasons people have an issue when Christians talk about money is because they see a lot of hypocrisy in the church. They see people that they say they believe this and that and the other thing, but then when it comes to the wallet, uh, as I've heard it said, some people hold onto their dollars so tight they make George Washington cry. <laughs> it's like, and the sad part is this topic is not even about money. Yeah. It actually has nothing to do with money. Money happens to be the vehicle that we attach it to most often. But it says this in Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There might be food in my house. And I love that God says this here in, in this chapter. This is like one of my, my life chapters. I love this. Uh, it says, test me in this. And you see, the way that I grew up, I grew up uh, up in Alaska. You guys, some of you know my story with growing up with the deadliest catch guys. The town I grew up in was called Homer. It was a mostly Christian community, uh, but nobody bothered to tell me that while I lived there. That's a whole nother conversation. But not only that was the community I was a part of, which was a small piece of that one, uh, we hated Christians. We hated it because we saw the hypocrisy. In fact, a family friend of ours, this tells you what kind of family I was a part of, uh, a family friend got really drunk one night, was watching one of those televangelists on TV, and he got so mad, he shot a hole in his TV. That made sense to him. It's reasonable. I'm telling you, when I tell you that I am a miracle standing here, that it is a miracle, I survived, I'm serious, everybody. God is good. God is good. I'm glad I'm here, too. So listen, when it comes to this, and I want you all to look at me and hear me on this one. This is not about money. That's right. It's about heart. There is no emergency finance meeting happening in heaven right now. Uh, hey, how are we doing on budget? He does not need your money. He wants your heart. And that happens to be what is attached to your money. And it doesn't matter if you make little or a lot. Tithing is a principle that is in scripture. And what we call it in our house is tithing's automatic. Tithing's automatic. And I'm, I, I cheated a little bit because uh, I'm married into tithing. Mm. So like when Laura and I started dating, and we've been married 26 years now, uh, which is, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, she said, hey, by the way, before we get married, I just want to let you know, we will be tithing. 
So like I had to tithe. So the thing for me was not whether or not I was gonna tithe, it was just me understanding it so I'd feel better about it. So I happened to do a lot of research and study on the topic and learned the spiritual law of reciprocity. This is a universal law. Have you ever noticed it feels good to give? We're wired by God that way. This is a part of being a Christian in walking out our faith is to give. And sometimes uh, we do a little softball with this here, a little soft edges with talking about giving. I just thought, I'm not doing that this weekend. This radically changed my life. It transformed me from the, uh, me tithing now, me and Laura tithing, is, it's not a behavior that we do. We have been transformed. I can't sleep at night if we don't tithe. Because I wanna know that when we face the trials and troubles that this life brings, that we can say, God, we can trust you. Yeah, that's right. We can trust you because we show it in a tangible way. And listen, we did this when we had nothing. Mm. When I was making a dollar, I made sure I gave that dime. Mm -hmm. And when I went out on tour with Steve and I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life, Mm -hmm. I gave my 10% of that. And I always tell people, I went from rags to riches back to rags again because I got into ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I should write a book called How to Rock Your Way to the Bottom, everybody. <laughs> but I tell you what, people think I'm crazy sometimes because I left that world to come and be a church guy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's right. I love what this is about. I love living a life yeah. of sacrifice and service and doing something that's beyond me. But I wanna tell you this, if you haven't started trusting God in the area of tithe yet, I wanna encourage you to do that. There's a reason around here at Mesa that we say, if you haven't done that, write us a letter. And if God hasn't met all your needs in six months, let us know and we'll just give you your money back. Because it's about pastoring you in generosity and trust. That's what it's about. And we trust God with the rest. And you might be going, well, what would you do if the entire church wrote you that same letter at the same time? Oh, well, you might just have to trust God. We're fine with that. But in the Brewster household, this is a big deal. We teach our kids this. I mean, Levi one time made $5. And we were like, hey, buddy, go bring that 50 cents in. Don't mess with it. And he was like, okay, so talk to me about tithing. And I said, well, here's the concept. This is why we do it. Because that 50 cents of that $5 is not yours. That actually belongs to God. There's a word in the Bible called sanctified. It means set apart for a holy purpose. That money is sanctified. It's holy money. It doesn't belong to me and you. We're just couriers, that's all. Does God need it? No, it's a heart test for us. But church, we can trust God in this area. And I don't know about you, but I wanna be a person who leaves a legacy, who lives a life of generosity and trust in God, in the area of money. Amen. Come on, give it up for Lincoln. So I know what some of you are thinking right now, and I'm just saying, I know where this ends. Pull out the card, fill out the form, give more money. No, 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 and no. There's gonna be no card. We're not asking for anything. In fact, this is us really trying to pastor you. This really is Bible teaching verse by verse about hope. How do you get hope in your life? Get 100% grateful for all God has given you. And out of that gratitude, start trusting him. When you celebrate the 100% and start trusting in the 10%, I guarantee your 
little depression, your little inside yourself, you're gonna actually start building hope in your life. And then if you really wanna cement that hope, does anyone here wanna cement that hope in their life? Do the third thing, here's the third thing. Hope shares enough, and that's the whatever percent. You see, the 100% is about living gratitude. The 10% is about trust. The whatever percent is about going on a journey where you hear from God. I don't care what age or stage you're at, if you have a lot or a little, when you actually sit down and say, God, I actually trust you now, I'm grateful now, and I'm opening my ears and I'm ready to hear what you want me to offer. That's where the fun begins. Look at this verse right here, Exodus 35, four through six. He said, this is the whole transformation moment comes right to here. He says, the Lord says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Not a suggestion. From what you have, no one is excluded. If you have something, you're in this verse. Take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, Andrew already covered that, brilliant. Your heart becomes willing. You bring to the Lord, here it is, an offering of gold, of silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and finally, goat hair. What in the world? I, the principle is really easy. If you have gold, don't give goat hair. God wants you to sacrifice. But on the other hand, if all you have is goat hair, when you give that from the right heart, it's like gold to God. Yeah. It's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. Why do we call you up to the whatever level? Why don't we just stop at tithing? Because the whatever level is where the fun is at. The whatever level is where the risk is at. The whatever level is where the transformation is at. You wanna change your life and change someone around you? Get to the whatever level and you'll see God is alive and still moving. Is anyone with me this morning? Yeah. What, what do I mean by this? See, the problem with preaching this to you guys is you already get it. Most of you in this room have gone on this journey with us and you already know. In fact, some of you are addicted to the whatever level, Johnny Schroyer. I mean, they're, they're, this is where the fun is, my friends. I'm gonna read you a list of what your offerings, this is above the tithe, what your offerings in the motion campaign, we use the phrase compassion first because before we think about ourselves, we just take a ton of resources and we start blessing people left and right. First thing we do is compassion. And I'm gonna read you this list of what you got done in the last year. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you. Try not to feel encouraged as you see what you've done at the whatever level. You ready for this list? Give me an amen if you are. God's been busy with what you've given. God has been so busy, here's what he's done. You've heard about the AIM house, the AIM school. I mean, last week we talked about that. That's what your dollars gave all the way up until last year. This year, we went from that to this. And those kids are right now today meeting in that school and being educated. We're not actually getting kids that need to be rescued in this area right now. We're getting them before they've actually been trafficked and that's the plan. We're gonna transform the whole region. Your offering is doing an incredible job at St. John's Women's Shelter. Your offering rescued vulnerable women and children through Acres of Hope. Your offerings touched the lives of teens through Youth for Christ. Your offerings fixed this dramatically malformed foot in this little girl right here. That's an actual little girl at the Cure Hospital. She was born with a malformed foot. You changed her life this last year. That's right, you can give it up for that. The Tear Fund, your offering 
rescued 675 kids that were vulnerable for trafficking and we put them in school in a very, very dark place in India where trafficking is uh, uh, rampant. Your offering is making a huge difference in Josh and Idiri. I gotta talk about this because if, you, if you're newer, you, you don't know Dr. Chris yet, but a bunch of us here, we've been working with Dr. Chris. Dr. Chris, a few years back, we gave him a ton of money and he went and he built a hospital in Josh Dindiri, a mostly Muslim place. We gave him some more money this last year and he bought this Faith Alive Center. That's it, right there, that's what we bought. <laughs> it's kind of a dump, isn't it? <laughs> Here's the thing. The first time we did this, he turned a dump into a hospital. We're gonna, in this next year, turn that dump into that and it's gonna become a pediatric ward for, oh, you better clap for that one. <laughs> Your offering is blessing. You know, we go to Mexico twice a year. We, you guys know about when we go down there in spring break, but we go down there in the winter and we bless a bunch of pastors in Mexicali, Mexico. Your offering is training and encouraging youth through Urban Youth Workers Institute. Your offering is helping men graduate from the Good Cause Sacramento, uh, 18-month discipleship program. Your offering is help children in Durbanville, Cape Town, South Africa get an education. Your offering is reaching out to Muslim kids in France. Your offering supplied basic needs to refugee families. They came from a refugee camp to Sacramento and the very first impression was your generosity. That's the way Christians ought to live, amen? Uh, I could go on and on and on again. Um, that's the Arab American Learning Center. Your offering helped launch a master's degree program at, at William Jessup University. Your offerings transformed the lives of underprivileged students in rural Alaska. Oh, this one's really special. Your offerings, this is above the tide. This is the whatever level. This is a, according to what I'm willing to do level. It's actually transforming Folsom Prison from the inside out. Pastor Andrew, you've been there. Tell us about yeah. it. Uh, one of the greatest privileges that we have is at our 815 services, looking into the camera and welcoming our family, the Bayside family at Folsom Prison. And we just go ecstatic and it's been to them and it's a great experience. At Christmas, I went in to speak at their Christmas service live, which was a remarkable experience. We had a canteen and it was like filled with hundreds of prisoners. And like I'm standing there preaching and there's a guard, like a sentry walking above us with a rifle pointing down. That's a way to get a good offering, everybody, okay? <laughs> That's two weeks from now, you're going, no, <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so you're in the room, and then I, I give the appeal for you know anyone that would love to become a Christian, and almost a hundred prisoners raised their hands that day to, say, to welcome Jesus into their lives. That's Isn't incredible. that amazing? This is our family. This is our family. Uh, but when I was there, I got to meet a guy. His name was Bob, and he had been in prison for over three decades. Uh, he was a Christian. And we find out that he was due for release and our Bayside staff got together and just thought, do you know what? We need to make that release and his reunion with his family a really special thing. So watch this video. My name is Robert Schell. I was incarcerated for almost 36 years. I had three goals when I got out. My biggest goal was I wanted to uh, hug my daughter, you know, for as long as I can. You know, without somebody telling me that I couldn't do it, because I haven't hugged her, you know, since she was a, a baby. We found out where my daughter was. They brought her, her husband, and my three grandchildren. Probably one of the best days of my life. It really was. You know, I had to admit that. But I, 
It wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Bayside Church. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's, come on, you gotta give it up for that. So good. By the way, that God Behind Bars has been so successful because he's Irish, we're thinking about starting a ministry called God in a Bar. Yes. With the Irish. I'm sorry, if you didn't think that was funny, that's funny. Reaching lots uh, of Irish people. You know, I don't know if you know this, uh, some of you will not know this, but every summer we hire hundreds of teens to run our uh, breakaway day camps. There are Apex students, and, and you see them, when you come to breakaway, you see them. They're the ones that are lifting the bales and sitting down with the kids and doing the hard work. They're out in the hot sun. But what you might not see is what happens after the hard day's work, and that is prayer and counseling, encouragement and disciple. Your offering is changing the lives of those teens and then I wish you could have all been here. Lincoln and I were here on Friday night. This place was packed, filled with parents, families, home openers of our Thrive Leadership School, Thrive College, we're calling it now. And we graduated almost 80 students. We had an incredible amount of alumni come back. My friend, we're not just talking about releasing the next generation of leaders. It's happening here. Over 100 of those leaders over the years of Thrive have gone into full-time ministry, most of them here at Bayside Church. You are making that happen. And then this, this last one, this is the one I love the most because I've said this for years. No kid, would you agree with me? This, no kid, no matter where they live or what circumstance they're in, should be denied camp. Every kid should get to go to camp. And we just said from the beginning of running Breakaway, we didn't care where we did Breakaway, what camp, what, what area. If a kid couldn't afford it, we were going to find a way to get them there. So you have provided hundreds of scholarships. In fact, at Midtown, we do a thing because just one week of camp is, is not enough for some of those at-risk kids. So we do a thing at Midtown that's also called Breakaway Academy where you actually sponsor kids all summer long to have a breakaway experience while we work on their reading level. When we first started this, 3% of the kids we were working with were at reading level. This year, 40% of the kids will be at reading level. And we're not stopping until it's 100% of those students at reading level knowing the Church of Jesus Jesus Christ loves them. In fact, we got, a, we got a, a thank you note from one of the scholarship families this week, and we thought we'd want to write, read it to you. Yeah, this is so cool. We got this um, from a mom, and she says this, uh, we have five children in the home ranging from one to 11 years old by the time of camp. Our son, John, who is one of the campers, will be turning seven on July 9th. He is a leukemia survivor and is going to be in kindergarten again this year due to learning delays because of chemo and radiation treatment. He is fine now and a little over a year out from his last treatment. She says, some of my favorite memories as a child were a vacation Bible school, or as we call it, kids camp. Uh, I would love for my children to have the same fond memories. The issue is my husband only makes $30,000 a year. So without your help, we would not be able to do it. Thank you and God bless you for putting on such a neat program. Here's the cool thing is, uh, and I mean this, because of... Uh, just crazy generous people like you, when we see things like this, we're like, gee, what should we do? <laughs> Let's scholarship all the kids to both camps this summer and just bless this family. Let's just make it happen. Yeah. Thank you guys for making that happen for this family. So good. Amazing. So that's a lot of the stuff that we're uh, making happen around the world. It's your generosity that's doing all of that. But we've got some stuff at home. Uh, when I came to America, I promised you two things. Number one was I promised you rain. Boy, has he delivered. 
Hey, the boy did good, everyone. The boy yeah. soon. Hey, you can oh. stop now. I can yeah, stop. The, All right, I'll the stop leprechaun now. brought I'm the, the rain. Maker. I'll knock it off, okay, everybody? And the other thing I promised you was soccer, more soccer, because that's God's will for your life, everybody. That's. I'm getting you ready for heaven. That's what you're going to be doing up there, okay? Apparently, you just, you just kick a ball. Let's, let's just kick a ball. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's a great thing. Listen. We have our two fields out there, and we have to talk to you. There's a soccer fan in the house somewhere, okay? <laughs> um, we have our two fields out here, and, and you know, they're incredible fields, but we only use them three times a year. In all honesty, we want those fields to be a legacy for our community. We want to impact the community, and we thank God for what we do in this room, but we have so much more outside of this room seven days a week, and we want those fields to live seven days Amen. a week. And there is a real lack of soccer fields in the area. And we would love, and look at these pictures here, we want our campus to be the number one family gathering community Come on. Uh, focused area in the whole region, everybody. That's what we want. So it's not about soccer, it's about meeting our community where they're at, forming community, actually being the community. The good news is that from the moment that you gave at the Motion um, campaign last year, we went to work on this and some of our best people have been interfacing with the uh, county, getting permissions, and this is the good news. We're hoping that within a year, work will have started on the soccer fields. So thank you so much. That's for huge, what you're you guys. Doing. That's really, really big. Yeah. And keep praying because all of those permissions and lining up all that logistics, uh, the team that's working on that is working very hard and there's a lot to do there. Yeah, yeah. So it's our last point, everybody. And this point is so absolutely important. And here it is, write it in. Hope leaves enough. Now, how much do we get to leave in life? <laughs> we get to leave 100%. Look what Paul said to Timothy. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Mm. I'm sure you've heard it said before, but you've never seen a hearse towing a U-Haul. You can bring nothing out of this world. My mother used to say that a shroud has no pockets. We came naked into the world, we'll leave naked, and we gotta leave it to someone or to something. A couple of years ago, uh, Isabel and I, and Isabel's my wife, we had to remortgage our home. And as you, you know, it takes a little bit of time. And when we went in to sign documents, and, and there was a young guy there, he's a Bayside, and he asked me a really smart question. I asked Isabel and I, he said, uh, do you guys have a will? Obviously, you've got a home. There's a little bit of equity in the house. Um, you need to have a will. And we were like, wow, we still feel so young. We never thought about all this life and death stuff. But we didn't have a will. He said, well, you need to get a will. Let's, let's make a will for you. And he asked me this question. He said, he started out with, well, what do you want to leave your organs to? And I was like, wow, I never thought about this. Well, I thought, well, an Irish heart must be worth a lot, like, you know, on, on eBay. Yeah, only if it's in a cereal box. <laughs> All right, I got one. I got one. I got one. Irish heart worth a lot, not so much the liver. <laughs> I merely treat these two as persecution in my life and transform it into a blessing. <laughs> Give me some Danny boy there, will you, or something. Uh, <laughs> okay, 
So we went through all the stuff with the organs and whatever. And, and then we got like, you know, what time, you know, that, that little bit of money or whatever. What do you, who do you want to leave it to? And I went, well, we've got four kids. Just cut it four ways. Just cut it four ways. That's a simple way, isn't it? But then Isabel, Isabel, who's way more spiritual than me, mm-hmm. she just looked at me and she went, what about the kingdom of God? And mm. I went, oh, darn. yeah, I'm a pastor. I should have thought of that. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, we, we, need to, we need to think about that. And it, we just made the decision that we're going to now split it five ways. And the kids are going to get less, but they won't know about that. And we'll be dead anyway when they find out. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're here. Sorry, darling. Um, but it was like, we want to put our local church at the heart of who we are. Because this is the reality, everyone. Yeah, I want to bless my kids. But I also want to leave something to the kingdom of God that when I'm long gone, my money is living on and still making an impact. I'm going to ask you to think about this. This is all to do with legacy. And you have a story about this in L.A. Yeah, so uh, last year I had the opportunity to uh, go down to L.A. I got a phone call. It was kind of a random out-of-the-blue thing and uh, went down and played a couple of days down there. Now, listen, I can't tell you anything about it because I signed a piece of paper saying I couldn't divulge any details of this, but there were... uh, several really famous people involved and all this kind of stuff. And they were sort of testing out something they, they might've wanted to do with a tour. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'll go down and, and check it out. And here's what struck me most about it was, um, when I got down there, I realized something. I'm not used to being around people anymore who only think about themselves. And it was really a contrast for me. So I, I get in and, you know, it's all the stuff. And some people were walking into the room, kind of acting like big shots because of what they've accomplished and who they are and all this business. And so, um, but I remember thinking about you guys, just going, gosh, I miss my church already. I've been here for one day. <laughs> and uh, so they start talking to me about this uh, potential tour. And, uh, and they told me what they were thinking about paying me to do it. And I said, hey, listen, um, just, just to uh, you know, kind of cut to the chase here, um, I'm not gonna feel bad in asking you to pay me top dollar because I'm giving it all away. And they just looked shocked. I said, we've got a bunch of projects uh, through a thing called the Motion Campaign we're doing home, at home at our church and uh, it means an awful lot. And I wanna make sure my time counts if I'm gonna be away. And so uh, you're gonna pay through the nose if you want me to do this. <laughs> and they looked at me like, a confused German just did Scottish not compute at, at all, just did not compute. And the, the, the impression that I, I or the, uh, uh, the environment was, was not one of generosity. Not one of living for something beyond yourself. Mm. It was me, 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 me. I don't know about you. I don't want my epitaph to read, here lies so-and-so. All he did was think about himself. I, I, I want to leave a real legacy. One of my favorite leadership guys, John Maxwell, he said this. Uh, he said, an inheritance is something that you leave for somebody, but a legacy is something you leave in somebody. Mm. The things we're doing in this campaign are leaving a lasting mark in people all over the globe. I don't know about you, that's what I wanna be a part of. I, I met a gal recently, 
she said, hey, I listen to your music on the radio. And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, that's really cool. Um, and uh, I said, so what church do you go to? And she said, well, I go to like, uh, like five different ones. And I remember thinking, and I'll bet you give to zero of them. And church, I'm, I'm like, pick a house. Pick a house. Let's stop shopping. Let's stop being consumers as it relates to the house of God. Let's be committed. Plant your roots. Get your feet on solid ground. Make some commitments. Get to tithing. Get to giving above and beyond. Being a part, blood, sweat, and tears invested into the house of God for the purpose of legacy, to leave a legacy. I, I wouldn't have my life any other way. Mm. When I think about the goodness of God, and this is a cool thing in that Malachi chapter three scripture, the last part of it's the best part. It said, test me in this and then see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to contain. I think about my life, how God saved my life. That's a blessing I don't have room enough to contain. The goodness of God that I'm standing here today as one of the pastors at this church, I don't have room enough to contain that. Hmm. We start counting our blessings, like the old hymn says, one by one. How good is God? Yeah. How good is God? Church, we cannot outgive God, never will be able to. Amen. His generosity goes so far beyond. So I'm just standing here today as a thankful man. And I wanna live a life of generosity and trust and sharing and legacy. Listen, um, some of you here today, uh, you don't have a relationship with Christ. And our highest hope for you is that you would leave here with, with nobody moving around just for a minute. Our highest hope is that you would leave here today with a genuine relationship with Christ. And if you're here today and you're like, I want in on this. I wanna live a life of legacy. I wanna live a life of purpose and generosity. If that's you here today, then this is your morning. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer out loud. We're gonna bow our heads, close our eyes, nobody looking around. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer and I would ask that you would pray along with me silently if that's you here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you're ready for that today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my failures and my past and my sins and my mistakes. I receive that forgiveness. Wash those things away, Lord. And Lord, I believe that you rose again so that I could have new life. So I receive that new life now. Come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, make all things new. Help me to live a life only for you. And with no one looking around, 
If you prayed that prayer this morning, I just want to know that you're out there. If you would just put your hand up, just give me a little wave so I know you're out there. Awesome. A whole bunch of you. Way to go. Awesome. Anybody else back in the stands? Way to go. I see you way back there. Awesome. Anyone else down here on the floor? Fantastic. You can put your hands down. Listen, look up here. If you raised your hand just now, I want to say uh, congratulations on the best decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. Church, can we rejoice? 